right, back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 59 and the Fan, Jesse Rubinoff, Alish Forfar, Backstreet Boys playing for some specific reason that you think you have the answer to Savannah Bananas. Yeah, yeah Brian Luttrell was playing for the Savannah Bananas. And like to introduce him, they came out singing. That place is electric. I love the Backstreet if Boys. If I can go somewhere, it's to see the Savannah Bananas. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. No doubt. I would also, like, remember the Backstreet Boys went through a phase where, like, obviously growing up, for, for me, they were, like, the the boy band. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, not cool to, like, the Backstreet Boys. And then they had this, like, renaissance. Oh, yeah. When they had the residency things, in like Vegas. The, the old bands are back. Are they still doing that in Vegas? Because I would love to go see the Backstreet the Boys. Sphere? My wife saw them and said it was there. incredible. Uh, I don't know, actually, John Morosi's take on the Savannah Bananas. We've never once spoke to you about it. It's not, like, the pure baseball uh, spectacle, but it's fun. How's mm-hmm. it going, John? I'm doing great, Alice and Jesse. I thought you were going to ask me for my take on the Backstreet Boys. Well, yeah, go for I'd it. I'd like that both was, takes. Go for it. <laughs> that, was, that was my first question. By the way, as, as we were playing that great music coming back from break, uh, the, the thought occurred to me, how long ago did that song come out? And the answer is 26 years ago. Oh, my God. 1997. Oh my so, my friends, I believe wow, in, in some, I, my, my current info on radio playlists not being all that up to date, could we actually have the Backstreet Boys on an oldies yeah, station probably. at this point? It still slaps, I, too, once, though. Like, it's a good song right? still. Once, once you've hit your silver anniversary as a song... That's that, oh that's worth that. But uh, at any rate, uh, the Savannah Bananas question as we as we mull that over and <laughs> and uh, and can consider life now that uh, that Backstreet Boys song is 26 years old. Uh, I I love the Savannah Bananas because anything that that brings a level of excitement, entertainment, joy to to the game and engages young people, especially in families with with the sport. Is great for me. So I, I love the the dazzling catches, the athleticism. They're the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, and and uh, still as we speak today, the Harlem Globetrotters have helped to grow basketball in the same way that the Savannah Bananas are doing right now in Major League Baseball, I believe. Well, um, the Blue Jays are a little less exciting than Savannah Bananas as of late, <laughs> um, but they have a playoff position in their grasp. Uh, it's been partially handed to them by the Rangers falling off and playing a little bit of a softer schedule here, but they're not out of the woods. They've got a very important homestand ahead. Um, if you're putting a, a level of confidence, and I think we asked this with you uh, week after week as we get closer to October, uh, do you think the Blue Jays have a better chance um, than they had the previous time we talked, even though half a game isn't isn't a lot to hold on hope here. Right. I think, Alish, I would say this, that the way the Rangers have played has really welcomed the Jays back into a playoff spot. And I suspect with the Rangers visiting Rogers Center next week, it's all in front of the Jays. Mm-hmm. They can do this. They have got, I think, with all their injuries, they still have a really good rotation that I think allows them to to have chances to win games even even when the offense is pretty quiet. Um, so while things are still stacked against them from a standpoint of when they're going to get their key personnel back, uh, like Bichette, Chapman, obviously Belt's been out for a little bit too. Um, but I, I think in general, I do like just the, the tempo of the starting pitching. The bullpen has been really good as well. So for all those reasons, I, I would feel a lot better about the Jays' chances right now than the Rangers. So uh, almost by default, I like their chances to make it. And then if they make it, they're going to be a dangerous team because 
uh, they, they have, if you look up and down the, the American League playoff picture, how many teams out there have a better starting rotation for a playoff series than what the Jays have? And, and the answer is very, very few. John, I want to dig a little deeper into this Rangers collapse because it has been just that. It's been a collapse. Four wins in their last 19 games and not even Max Scherzer yesterday could get them back on the right track. Going up for the first time ever against Justin Verlander and Scherzer, three innings, seven earned runs. Like this team was 10 games ahead of Seattle in July and now they're out of a playoffs. But like, how has this happened so quickly? Well, it's an important question, Jesse. I think that they've had a couple injuries, notably uh, Josh Young, their, their all-star rookie third baseman. He's been out, uh, and he was a really important player in their lineup in the first half of the season. Jonah Heim uh, was injured, and then he hasn't quite been the same productive hitter since he has come back. And then in the rotation, Nate Valdi, who, of course, came back this week but still struggled, uh, he he was an all-star, pitched in the all-star game, but then went on the I.L., very soon thereafter, and, and he's been absent too. So you start to add up all those players and the missing personnel that they're maybe now feeling finally Jacob deGrom's absence where for a long time they were able to, with their existing personnel, something of a uh, outrun the, the DeGrom injury, and, and now they can't. And, and I think that they've also relied on some different players, Leody Tavares, Ezekiel Duran, in their position player group. They haven't been quite as effective recently as they were at the beginning of the season. So I, I think it's been a collective uh, a collective failure, really, for, for the team. And, and I think there's probably a lot of players now looking around, starting to feel the pressure. And when you start to play this sport – where you're worried about uh, maybe avoiding a collapse or, or, or having that tension, it becomes a really difficult sport to play. And I think the, the Rangers right now are, are up against it. The, their fortunate side is they've got a Hall of Fame manager and Bruce Bochy leading the way. They've got some experience with the likes of Seeger and Semyon. Uh, but last night was one of those nights with the buildup and the showdown between the Astros and the Rangers where you were expecting Max's uh, veteran experience and, and what the stuff that he still has to really make a huge impact. But he ran into a hot lineup on the wrong night, and the Astros are feeling great. The Rangers are not. And, and for all those reasons, uh, when you talk about as, as many concerns as the Jays have right now with, with injuries and, and, and the current form of the offense, Look across at, at that AL wildcard standings and, and look at the Rangers. And at the moment, Jesse and Alicia, I think the Rangers' problems right now are, are more numerous. Well, let's hope the Blue Jays can capitalize on a faltering Rangers team. I mean, that four-game series next week at the Rogers Center is going to be a must-see, must-attend. It's going to be a really great atmosphere. Yeah. We're looking forward to that one. Um, I wonder what you make of the Buffalo Brigade. We've been calling them that. Uh, the call-ups from the Buffalo Bisons certainly have helped, especially David Schneider, get the Blue Jays into this position. I don't think the Blue Jays would be now half a card up of the wild card, or half a game up of the wild card spot um, with the destiny in their hands without these call-ups. Um, it's like they quietly bust on the scene and have become uh, very important position players and uh, offensive players for the, uh, the actual <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. Right, no, exactly. And I think uh, Kevin Barker made a great point last night on uh, on the Jays Talk post game about why Davis Schneider in particular is so is so exciting for Jays fans. It's not just the results, it's the approach. And he has arrived at the major leagues with a very advanced approach 
that that suggests to you and to everybody that that this is sustainable. Now, inevitably, he'll go through peaks and valleys. All baseball players do. But when you have a consistent and solid approach, the slumps tend to be shorter and the productivity tends to be more consistent. And that's what you see with him. Uh, and I think to, to a broader extent, when you consider the, the quality of the approach of the, of the players from, from Buffalo, I think that uh, you have to give a lot of credit to the, to the hitting coaches and the staff at Buffalo for the way they prepare their players. Because clearly, when they get to the big leagues, they don't really have as steep of a learning curve to, to get up to speed with, with a major league opposition. They understand how to do it. And I, I think it's, it really, it's a sign of a healthy organization when you've got players at that level who, who find ways to get better, who are able to join the major league roster and fit in seamlessly. You can tell that they're all great teammates, the guys that have come up, because it's not easy to, to step into a, a veteran team in the middle of a pennant race, perform, and, and also blend in well from a chemistry standpoint, and this team has. So I think Schneider has very quickly become one of their most important players. I mean, he, he's the guy that, um, and it's rather remarkable to say it, of course, with Bo out and Chapman out and, and Vladdy not really being himself this season, he's the guy that you want up. I mean, he, he's batting 385 right now. His OPS is well above 1,000. He's had a remarkable run, and and very quickly at the age of 24, He's the player that people want to have up, and I just think it's an amazing story. Here's a 28th-round draft pick who, you know, earlier on in the season was not necessarily the one that we were talking about a, month, uh, about a lot from a standpoint of the, the, the prospects and who was going to get called up, but he's just worked his way there with a really quiet, solid approach. He's tried, I think, a lot to, to round out his defensive game and find different spots in the diamond where he can contribute defensively, and he's just a great player development story, and, and Davis deserves the credit. But, you know, to your point, Clement is, is very much a part of that conversation too, as is Horowitz. So it's, it's a great story line for the Jays and they would not be in a playoff position mm-hmm. today without the contributions of the uh, Buffalo Brigade. No question about it and a large part of that as you mentioned is because guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have not had the season that many would have expected and I know you keep uh, close tabs on the, on the Blue Jays fan base and the vibe you said you were you know, listening to Blue Jays talk after the game yesterday. Are you surprised by maybe the tension or friction that exists now between uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the fan base because it's hard to come on the radio, you know, every single day and harp on what we've seen from him and just how he's not, I think, the guy that many people thought he was going to be. But it feels like the fan base is almost like turned on Vladdy a little bit because he hasn't been able to to be the 2021 version of himself. Well, you're right. And I, am I surprised that there's tension? Not really because – the expectations are that high, and the expectations are high for him individually and for the Jays collectively. And uh, I think the fan base, obviously there's amazing baseball fans in Toronto and across Canada, they know that the clock is ticking. They know that, that it's this year and, and next year and, and potentially one more before Vlad and Bo become free agents. And, and Jays fans across North America have been – waiting for, for this group to break through and, and to go on a deep playoff run. And, and this, this is the, the, the core of players they've fallen in love with, and now they feel a little let down, disappointed. And so it's natural to, to have that emotional reaction. Um, I think, too, that 
it's if I could put myself in the position of a Jays fan now, I it seems to me that when you watch the team play and, and struggle offensively, that I, I think fans can accept and understand that results are going to to not always be there, especially in baseball. It's just that hard of a game. But the question becomes, what are you doing about it? And that's that is the difficult thing I think for for fans to see because a lot of it. A lot of the work happens early in the day, um, and fans aren't even necessarily sure uh, what work is happening that leads to that leads to whatever you see at seven o'clock. And so I think that the maybe the lack of transparency about what the process is, and or uh, to, to hear from Vladdy himself what exactly he's working on and why it's not working. I, I do think at some point in the in the course of the season, and maybe he's waiting until the end, uh, but I think it would be helpful uh, to, to hear in a, in a sense what, what he's looking at doing in terms of changing approach, uh, where, where his focus is, what he thinks the reasoning is for, for why the numbers are a little mm-hmm. bit lower. I, I just think there's maybe a, a, a lack of collective understanding, um, and that's really no one's fault. It's just sort of trying to understand why we are in the situation why, where we are in and, and what, what change in approach could happen. Uh, because I, I do think that the talent is still there. You see it in moments, but if for whatever reason, the frustration, uh, maybe the, the swing mechanics aren't quite where they, where they would be, and I'm sort of the last person to try to break down a swing or offer any critiques to, to a major league hitter as to what he should do. But I, I think we, we look at the big picture and say it's just not, it's not what it's supposed to be right now. And it, it seems to me at the moment, just looking at the whole situation, there's not really a firm understanding of why. And and that that to me is is the really big story as to as to where things go from here. Are are Jays fans if if the Jays lose in the first round or or don't even make the playoffs, are, are the Jays fans in a position where they're willing to accept Vladdy being traded this offseason in a way that they wouldn't have been a year from a year ago, uh, perhaps? And I think that to me is is the big question: is what is happening now to get him out of this slump? And then what happens long-term and and how do the fans react to it? Yeah, he almost looked yesterday in a couple of his flyouts. Like, I know he's excited about the first one. He thought it was gone, but just the shaking of the head, like it, it finally felt like yesterday there was, there was some frustration there. Um, I want to ask you about, um, Randall Gritchick because the angels put him back on waivers. And I know the first time that he was available, I think many were surprised, including yourself. I believe you said that on uh, Blair and Barker that, the, the Jays didn't, or maybe they inquired, but they didn't end up going out to get him. Uh, do you think it's maybe a realistic possibility this time around that they circle back and try to bring a guy like Randall Gritch again? Because it feels like it's something that would make a lot of sense, and, and many people thought that it was a good fit for him. Right, no, it's a fair point. And I think, too, I would a, expect that, that they would potentially entertain it now in a, in a different way. Of course, it's, it's deeper into the season which means it's a less expensive option. Obviously, he would not be eligible for the playoffs, but he would be able to make an impact in in getting the Jays there. You also look at the big picture here, and and if you're able to acquire a right-handed bat, uh, that allows you to utilize Merrifield in a different way. And and what the difference is between now and, and then is they've got more information about Chapman's situation. And it doesn't really seem like his return is imminent mm-hmm. and so if they're more and more concerned about uh, about chapman's availability 
then perhaps you're more open-minded to, to having Merrifield play or, or Biggio, for example, play on the infield on a more consistent basis. If you look at yesterday's lineup from a, a game that the Jays lost in Oakland, if you consider Merrifield a sort of a, a native infielder, which he is effectively, he can play the outfield and play it well, but he's an infielder by by trade originally with the with with the, with the Royals. You've got two infielders playing the outfield, and and so that diminishes your flexibility around the rest of the diamond. So if you bring in Grichik, then then you can either play him in center, you can play him in the corners, and that that brings Merrifield or Biggio back into the infield at a time where you're just not really sure what you're going to get uh, from Matt Chapman. And so that just gives you a second option uh, along with Espinal to play over at, over at third base. So I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense that they would reconsider it. You also consider the, the Angels, they're still in this phase where they're trying to save some money. Um, I also think they probably wouldn't have put Grichik on waivers unless they had a decent idea that maybe it would be a different result this time mm. around. So um, that, to me, is something to watch, and, and I would not be surprised if – I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Grichik wound up with the Jays because the Jays have priority uh, uh, over the other contending teams with the, with the lone exception, of course, of the Rangers. So the, do the Rangers uh, step into priority? And if they do, uh, of course, right now, based on the standings, the Rangers would get the player uh, if they opted to put in a claim. Johnny and John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. Uh, let's go back to AL East here in terms of the New York Yankees. Like, I we wrote them off a long time ago. They're slowly creeping back, but uh, just uh, just above 500. But they brought up rookie Jason Dominguez, and I want to ask you about his impact. And we're going to see some players get opportunities now down the stretch. But since he came up, he's got a hit in each of his five MLB games. He's got another homer. They've won eight of their last nine games. Like, I don't know how much we should be worried about the Yankees, but it's an interesting storyline nonetheless that a kid is getting a, a shot and really making the most of it. Yeah, it's a great point, Alish. I, I would not, if I was a Jays fan, be worried about no. <laughs> the Yankees catching them. Uh, they, they've got a pretty significant distance to cover uh, at, at this moment in time. But if you're a Yankee fan, I think there's finally some reason for optimism. This has been, in so many ways, a lost year for the New York Yankees. And to have Dominguez come up, uh, I think they've won every single game that he started. They've got Austin Wells up now as well as a really highly regarded young catcher from the University of Arizona, really impressive uh, player on and off the field. So they, they've got this youth in there. And I was actually, we've got a, uh, two of our MLB Network Showcase games next week are in Boston. We've got the Yankees and Red Sox, which September you usually expect that's going to be the, the showdown for the top of the division. A little different now, but, but I, I was actually just this morning uh, sending a note uh, from a research standpoint. I'm just curious to see what the answer is going to be uh, to our research team. But I wonder when the last time was that consistently you had five players in the Yankee lineup who are 23 and younger, uh, not just Dominguez and Wells. You still have uh, Peraza's a, a really young player, Volpe, of course, is still very young. So you've got this young group of guys. And, and this doesn't solve all the Yankees' issues, but at least it gives them a different story. Mm-hmm. And, and Rizzo is obviously out. He's, he's been shut down with, with post-concussion issues. So there's, there are some concerns there about wh- what this lineup looks like. But, you know, you saw Stan get his 400th career home run, which is rarefied air for a slugger. I mean, to, for Stan to hit that number is a pretty amazing achievement in, in Major League Baseball. It really reminds you of just what an elite player he is still when healthy. So it's, it's a, it does have a feel of a, of a sunnier 
ending to the Yankees season than, than where they were a, a month ago. It, it felt like the Yankees had no personality uh, almost aside from Aaron Judge w- several weeks ago, but now they've got this youth and there's there's some excitement. The the, the Martian nickname is fun. <laughs> the E.T. inspired the Bleacher Creature salute is fun. So I, I just think the Yankees have brought back a little energy on their side where for a, for a while, I think a lot of us who watched them play pretty consistently were wondering where they were going. And I think now having some youth is, is actually just a, a, a brighter story for them to end the season on. Not that we feel bad for Yankees fans, but okay, it's nice to have something to cheer for because yeah. it's been a pretty dismal season. Uh, John, last one for you. Uh, are you a Lions guy? Big night tonight. NFL season kicks off. I know you're a Detroit guy, but uh, I don't know if yes. you're a Lions guy. So, yes, yeah, so thank you for the question. So here's my here's my my point on the Lions. Uh, I'll, I'll make this quick. I'm, I'm now all in that the Lions are going to be good because people like other parents at school drop off <laughs> tell me that, that the Lions are supposed to be good. It's funny. I, I am actually, uh, I know substantially less about the NFL than really all of the other parents at the drop off. I, I will have many, many years in which the only Pro football I watch is like maybe a quarter of the Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, there's there's enough people, I say, Alish and Jesse, that there's enough people in the world who know a lot about the NFL that I don't need to be one of them. I, I knew a fair amount about the NFL when I was like 10, uh, and so I could, mention, I could rattle off like the starting quarterbacks from, from like 1993, but the only player I know on the Lions roster that I could actually name you is the quarterback, Goff. That's it. So I, I, know, I know zero, <laughs> I, like nothing. But that being said, I'm all in that they're going to be good this year. I, I, I picked a 24-21 win for the Lions tonight, and we'll see if that ends up being true. But in terms of actual, like basically, I am like the person who at the beginning, I'm, I'm the person in the office, like when the NCAA tournament starts or the, the Stanley Cup playoffs start, who has zero information and then picks the whole thing correct. Like that's, that's what I feel like I am on the NFL. I know nothing about it. Like, like I'm telling you, see, I, I could not name five players in the league, but I'm, uh, I'm excited about it nonetheless. I love the honesty, uh, but you know what? If you're on the lines, we're on the lines. A, yeah. big, a big night tonight, and it, I saw you tweeted out. You think that they're going to win? I forget the exact score, yeah, but you gave it. Yeah, I, I got them by a field goal, twenty-four twenty-one. I, well, I, I feel. I'm betting it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, originally, I, originally I predicted, uh, it was funny, so I was chatting on, on Fox Sports Radio this week about it, and I said, all right, I'm going to go with uh, Lions 17-14, and like there was a pause, and and, uh, and Jason and Mike, the host, said, John, you realize the over-under is like 55, it's okay, i got to revise it up, because I understand there's a, there's a really great uh, young man who quarterbacks the Chiefs by the name of Mahomes, whose dad pitched in, in Major League Baseball, like, yeah, John, we know about him, I was like, good, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll at least assume that the Chiefs find a way to get three touchdowns, and we'll, we'll call it good there. Love it. There you, well, you know what? We're about to have some NFL insiders on, but we might cancel them because I think we got what we wanted from you, John. Uh, well, enjoy the baseball and the football that kicks off yes. tonight, and we'll chat with you next week. Appreciate it. Sounds great. Hey, listen, Jesse, thanks for everything. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. That's John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, NFL the Insider to come. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, he's the best. It, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not often that you get someone uh, just, just say that. Come out, <laughs> come out and say I don't know a don't damn know. thing, but. Yeah, <laughs> but just, I love it. Oh, uh, that's funny. 24-21, I mean, that's, I, I take a good game. Let's take a look at, when the wake and rake, what the exact 
uh, odds are on that score because you know what? If we don't bet it and it's Bigger right, number. we'll be Holmes kicking ourselves. Holmes doesn't lose openers, though. That's the problem. People in the text line are big on the Lions. We'll get all that um, that in the me. show later. But, yeah, whatever. The text line's always right. You yeah, just say yes is, to our listeners. True. That is true. Uh, we do have a couple of NFL guests. Uh, Herm Edwards is going to join us at 730 and then wrapping it up with Chris Herm. Berman. Oh. I know. The G, It's going to be great. Uh, but let's do something chew on brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I will give you two options. Aaron Rodgers or Caleb Williams? Aaron Rodgers. Yes, okay. I, I love Caleb Williams, but Aaron Rodgers. I did send a clip to Josh, and he's got it. Uh, but obviously we know Hard Knocks has been the Aaron Rodgers story, basically. He has a very interesting story to share with you about UFOs. Here it is. We heard the sound, and we saw this tremendously large object moving through the sky and it was like a scene out of independence day whatever the hell it was i don't know but it was definitely identified it was definitely flying it was definitely a large object the music makes it what he says he's, he's, he's seen a ufo he's hysterical this guy an incredibly large object floating in the sky and believes it was a ufo and ufo talk has been hot this summer i know there's a lot of people coming out and talking about how they've seen ufos and Aaron Rodgers is one of them, and it's the least surprising thing. But I mean, I I think yeah. that there I think that there's other life forms in the universe. Oh my, we're going there. How much time do we have? I I can confidently <laughs> say that I don't think that that's crazy. You think that we're the only living beings, beings, beings in the entire galaxy universe? That, like that's I think naive. Without a shadow of a doubt, that. We are not alone. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I know. I thought you were going to no, shut me down. And I was like, we're no, getting off insane. the air It's like fighting. a mathematical impossibility. Like, think about it, people. It's, it's, it's impossible. I'm saying it's impossible. Let's open this up to the discussion, though, on the text line, because there's some people that are like, you guys they're are trying ridiculous. To also change, have you noticed they're trying to change, I don't know, they is, it's the government or the agencies, um, are trying to change UFOs to like UAPs. No, it's never going to change. Like unidentified aerial phenomena. No, it's a UFO and they're real. Yeah, just okay. enough with that. It's UFOs. It's the first time I agree with Aaron Rodgers on something. I can't. Yeah, but like, it's about like I would like an alien to like land. Just come on out. Yeah. Like, come on the show. Who? What would you? Who <laughs> Do would you be, think we who, could get an alien, Danielle? I know you're a good booker okay. of the show. Who? Who would be like the person that you would want an alien to come into contact with? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. That would be to sit there. Aaron Rodgers. Of all the people in, he, in, he the, get, in humanity, he, he would. Well, okay. Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, like yeah. a sit down? Like I think a 60 you're like family. Minute? I, think I, would, I would love to chat would with fun. one. I would be fine with you being the first. You know how people are like, I don't want to go to space. I would go to space in a heartbeat. Like well, if I had a billion about, like, dollars. Anxiety. What would you say to the alien? I'd be like, I'm sorry that you see what we're, what's going down here. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. And it was, hey. Like, what are you, <laughs> honestly, how do you start a conversation with an alien? <laughs> Do, I, do they speak English like, or are you just like, name? I bet you don't even talk. You just look into each other's eyes and yeah, you it's communicate like telepathic. through they your They know brains. everything that you're, yeah. Yeah, they know about us and they're not going to be I'm like surprised us. they don't want to come thing. down here. They're not going to be like like us. Like we're not going to be able to communicate with them no. if, if they're, they, whatever they are. They're something. Yeah. Anyway, whew, spooky things. This uh, is great. We could ask Herm Edwards about it, we but we're going to skip we that can question. We go to 9 o'clock just talking about UFOs The text and line UAPs is fired and... up. They are fired up. Are about, they? We'll bring this into discussion after her. Like supportive or no? Oh, well, just stay tuned. Okay, That's a tease. <laughs> Herm Edwards after the break on the Fan Morning Show, Jesse and Ailish and other 
living beings. You play to win the game. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just over 12 hours till the NFL season kicks off with the Lions and the Chiefs on Thursday night football. We've been waiting a long, long time for tonight. And no one better to help us tee it up than Herm Edwards, former NFL head coach and current ESPN analyst, and now announced on Wednesday that you'll be a weekly contributor to a new show on ESPN called The Monday Blitz. Debuts on Monday, September 11th. Herm, how's it going? Welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. Um, I think all football fans are are excited uh, knowing that um, I say it this way nightly, being a former player, um, all the varsity players play now. No one wears baseball hats and stands on the sideline and pretends they're coaches. They actually have to play if they're healthy and ready and, and able to play. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I do respect the hustle that a lot of them do put in, but now it's it's all about the big guns. And tonight we're seeing that uh, showdown head-to-head with the Lions and the Chiefs. And I think there's a lot of excitement about the Lions because they're getting a lot of big spots this season. Uh, they were the story last year, like kind of the, the lovable team with the hard knocks and Dan Campbell. But now the expectations have changed a little bit. It's about maybe winning and improving. Um, Dan Campbell, kind of the darling of the season last year. But the expectations, as I say, get higher. Are you a believer in the Lions that they're getting these spots and that they can capitalize and not be lion-y as they have been in the past? Well, now it's, it's expectations and you're talking about a, a city and a, and a franchise. Um, you got to go way back to their glory years and, and now um, uh, you see them sold out the stadium. People are excited about watching the Lions, not only in Detroit, but I think nationally uh, what Coach Campbell has done. Uh, with these guys. So now they're on the big stage. You're going to Kansas City. Um, it's a tough place to play. <laughs> I, uh, my advice, don't get behind uh, because that stadium gets rocking and, and it's very difficult offensively uh, when you're playing from behind in a stadium like that. But this is a, a well-coached football team. Uh, they're, they're a mentally and physically tough football team. And, and that's their calling card. So it'll be fun to watch them tonight and see how they compete against the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs might be without one of their best players in Travis Kelsey, officially listed as questionable, hyperextended his knee. I mean, I got the notification that his uh, ACL was intact, so I guess that's uh, good news. Mahomes hasn't played a game without Kelsey since 2017, Herm. Uh, The last time it it happened was in Mahomes' NFL debut. Uh, From a head coaching perspective, if Kelsey is not able to go, uh, how does that alter the Chiefs' game plan tonight? Well, you're talking about two guys together. Um, when you talk about Kelsey and Mahomes, uh, they have this unique ability to to make plays when when there's no plays available. In other words, they play recess football. Actually, uh, you know, Kelsey had 110 catches last year uh, for what, 1,300 yards. Uh, this guy has been prolific at, at the tight end position. I don't call him a tight end; he's actually a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they have this thing where when Mahomes has the ball and he calls a pass play and Kelsey's involved in it. Kelsey finds a way to to find spots where Mahomes can throw him the ball. And that's the problem with him. I mean, it seems like 
every week we say, can somebody cover Kelsey? No one ever covers the guy. He's always open, right? <laughs> he's 7-11. He's always open, even on holidays. That's, <laughs> he's open all that. And so now he doesn't have him, you know, if, if he doesn't play. Uh, that'll be interesting what they do. Who, who fills that spot? I think Andy will probably run the ball, get the ball to the backs a little bit more, uh, knowing that uh, Kelsey's not involved in this. And he's really big on third down in the red zone, as we know. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they play offense. And then the other guy that's is is uh, the guy that plays inside, uh, you know, Jones is the big defensive tackle. He, he's not there. So that'll be interesting to watch this thing unfold. Both the signs yesterday, which which was, was interesting for San Francisco, he, he, you know, and he's going to play. But all of a sudden, Jones is, is, is a dominant player inside. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how they feel that board. Um, Herm Edwards joining us um, as a former head coach. I think it's natural to ask you about Sean Payton. Um, been pretty open and mm-hmm. honest since his uh, his joining. And uh, I mean, it could ruffle some feathers, and I think it has. But I wonder if that's the right approach or or how long of a leash you have in this role. Like you're trying to earn respect from your stars. You're trying to inspire and motivate, and everybody has a different role in that. But your perspective on Sean Payton and how uh, this, this tension is going to unfold well i think um if, if you have to be not involved in, in sports if, if if you don't understand that basically sean has kind of put the quarterback on notice but i think he's put this whole team on notice mm-hmm. um and there's there's a lot of ways to do it sean has chose to do it a little bit using the media um i think some of the things he said it's, it's been on point uh, some of those things, uh, me being a former head coach and a player, I, I probably would have kept those inside the building. But, you know, he, he's his own man. And, and he's trying to make the, the quarterback understand that they need him to play well for them to be successful this year. And I think if you're Russell Wilson, you sit in a situation and you got to look at your career now and say, you know what, I got another opportunity to to direct my career in the, in the, in the manner in which I left Seattle as a Pro Bowl player, Hall of Fame player. And I hope it works out for both parties. I do. Um, I, I, I hate to see this between player and coach because I've worn both hats. You know, I was a former player before I was a coach. And uh, we had a, a taskmaster in Dick Vermeil, who I loved. Uh, who I loved. Man was great. Uh, but I just think this has gotten in the media, and now it's time to play football. And that's the good part. Now we'll look at what's happening on the field. We won't have to worry about hard knocks. We won't have to worry about what any coach is saying off the field. It's now about how they play and how we coach on the football field. You mentioned your head coaching career. You spent five seasons uh, with the New York Jets, and they are a hot-button story going into this season. Yeah. Higher expectations. Obviously, mm-hmm. they really feature on Hard Knocks, and uh, we got some gems from Aaron Rodgers over the course of that show. Uh, what is the best way, in your estimation, that the Jets can maximize Aaron Rodgers at the age of 39? Because it certainly feels like he has the talent around him, how do you make that work? Well, I think he's going to make it work offensively, uh, what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Nathaniel Hackett uh, has been with him in the past, and they've been very successful. Aaron Rodgers is playing with a top-five defense. Uh, They're playing in New York City, so um, I I get what that means. (laughs) I've been in that fishbowl, but um, I think this team's excited about the challenge. Uh, You're right. They're wearing the big hat. I mean, they put the big hat on their head, and you know what? Uh, All comers, beware. And now when they play this week, they get a chance to to come out and and play. 
it'll be interesting how Buffalo is is, is mm. looking at all this and, and teams in the in the, you know in the in the AFC East. Uh, that's a tough division. Uh, Miami's sitting there. Miami's not saying a whole lot. Um, people forget about uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, that guy's a pretty good coach. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't fall asleep on Coach Bella. You know, mm-hmm. no one's talking about the Patriots. Everybody's going like, eh, you know, it's the Jets, uh, it's the Bills, it's the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, and rightly so because of the quarterbacks. But, um, you know, the Jets, I think, have lost 12 times in a row to the New England Patriots. How about that? Well, I mean, things, there are so many, um, like, traditions. Like, I mean, this this tonight, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have won, what, eight in a row? Eight in a row, eight home there's, opener, a lot of, openers, uh, yeah. there's a lot of streaks, and I feel like some will be ended. Um, i got to ask you about contract holdouts, because I feel like this entire offseason, yeah. we've talked a lot about players that are wanting more, asking more, deserving more, um, and trying to make that known. I wonder, as a coach, like, how do you manage that? Um, how do you continue to focus on the task at hand, knowing that there are star players that, A, might not play, or B, are publicly saying that they want more money and declaring that. I know that's not really a coach's role to, to sign the contracts, but it's something to manage nonetheless. It feels like this offseason has been um, a lot of storylines revolving around contracts. Well, I think you, you, t- you look at it this way, and this is how I've always handled it. I, I've told the players that uh, have contracts that understand this, don't mix up um, business with football. The business side of it is tough. It has nothing to do with football. And I said, you got to realize that. Um, you got to put your business hat on when it comes to contract negotiations. And I said, if you're a player right now and you're watching one of our teammates or a player somewhere else dealing with their contract, just watch how this unfolds because it could happen to you. And I said, don't take it personal. I said, I won't take it personal. I know you want to be here. Uh, I'm not going to get involved in it because that's not my job. Um, when you get here, you get here. And if you're not here, that's fine. We love you. You're going to be part of this team. When it gets done, it gets done. And basically, you try to stay out of it. And I think if you handle it that way, players understand that, look, this is what happens. This is a part of it. Some are are nice, smooth negotiations. Some are not. Uh, It's never personal. um, But when you put yourself in that position where you are asking for a lot of money, uh, there's a lot of things that have to be done now, you know, as far as the cap goes and, and it's interesting how this thing unfolds. You know, the quarterback now in the National Football League is taking the money away from certain position groups, one being the running back, right? I mean, think about that. I mean, Bosa gets his money. I was talking about it yesterday. Bosa gets his money from San Francisco. But basically, they have a young quarterback that's on his first year of his contract, second year of his contract, right? So they don't have to pay the quarterback. So you have the luxury of paying a couple other players before the quarterback hits. When you have a quarterback – that's up, and you pay him, well, you're going to take money from other positions, whether you like it or not, because that's the world we live in now in the National Football League. I want to talk about, Herm, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, because uh, Jalen Hurts had such an incredible year last year, and the Eagles looked unstoppable for, frankly, the majority of the season, ended up losing the Super Bowl to the Chiefs, obviously, but... They lost a bunch of starters from that Super Bowl team and both coordinators, Herm. So when something like that happens, which I, I think can mess with the foundation of an organization, how do you bounce back from that? How do you make sure that you don't lose a step when you're coming off such a great year like the Eagles had last year? Well, it's always tough because you know this. When you're a good team, um, the first thing you know as a head coach, you're going to lose coaches because people are going to come after your coaches. Um, you're going to lose some players as well. And this is where uh, 
your front office, you're always in position to make moves to to try to uh, bring in players when you lose players. As far as coaches, uh, that's the same too, and I think players understand that. That that's the business side of it, and I think you don't make a lot out of it as a head coach. Um, you're still there. Your message is still there. Uh, you want to make sure the players that you bring in uh, fit uh, fit the culture, um, add something to the culture. And coaches are coaches. You know, it, it, you're not going to change your system because you lose an offensive coordinator with the quarterback. I mean, it's his, it, it's his team. It, right. You've you got to learn the system, right? So it's not like, oh, I get a new coach. Some people think that you get a new coach, I'm going to change the system. No, you're not. You're going to actually understand this is the system we run because this, this benefits the players. And so sometimes, you know, getting a new coach, sometimes it, 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 it's a different voice to how you say things. And then some players look at it, well, maybe I'll get a, a better opportunity now. There's some other players that are, that are not playing a lot. So there's a lot of ways you handle it, but players understand this. This is the part of the profession you're in now, professional football. Well, Herm, we appreciate you jumping on uh, an exciting night, an exciting weekend ahead. Uh, NFL season kicks off in about 12 hours. Um, want to ask you about the new show, ESPN uh, Monday Blitz. You're going to be a weekly contributor. Uh, what can uh, listeners and viewers expect? Well, hopefully uh, a little bit of a highlight, a little bit of a, just talking about football, some X's mm-hmm. and some O's, and, and, and talking about the strategy and how things unfold. And, and I think it'll be fun. We're doing a little bit of college as well as oh, nice. uh, NFL stuff. Yeah, Booger McFarland is uh, the other uh, analyst with me, and it's interesting because when we were in Tampa, we drafted Booger. Uh, we had Sap down there. We knew we needed another three technique. We ended up uh, drafting Booger when we were down there. So we go we go way back. It's kind of funny, you know, on that team in Tampa, we ended up with um, four Hall of Famers. Uh, Lynch, uh, Rondi Barber that went in, uh, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. That was a pretty good defensive unit we had. It. Booger was involved in that defensive unit as well. So it'll be a lot of fun doing this show starting uh, Monday. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to watching it and look forward to hearing your an- analysis uh, as we head into the NFL season. Appreciate you coming on this morning and enjoy the season. Anytime. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's Herm Edwards, former NHL, head co- uh, NHL NFL head coach uh, and player and current ESPN analyst. And of course, we mentioned uh, ESPN is going to have a new show, The Monday Blitz, and it'll be a weekly contributor on it. Yeah, Herm's great. Uh, obviously, uh, you play to win the game. You play to win the game. Do you yeah. know that, Jesse? Yeah, you, you play. play to win the game. There you go. That's it, baby. Uh, Chiefs going to try and uh, win the game tonight. Uh, Travis Kelsey, here's the latest. Mm. Uh, the Chiefs plan to put Travis Kelsey threw a workout this morning to test his injured knee. Uh, he's a true game day decision oh for tonight's opener I feel against like the you, Detroit you don't Lions. Want to ch- it's the day, the first day of the season. You chance that, and you make him further injury, you'll be regretting it. It's the Lions. I'm trying it's to game think one. what I would what prefer do do? as a as a fantasy manager mm. with uh, lots tied to Travis Kelsey here. Like, do I want him to risk like something? catastrophic just for one game probably not i think i'd prefer him to sit tonight personally i think that's a smart strategy a lot of football ahead oh i cannot wait um okay so we are talking about the ufos in space yeah yeah. and people have thoughts would you like to hear some (laughs) yeah i would love to yes pierre from maple says i'd put that aliens are real as a long-term future bet for the wake and rake (laughs) And I think that's a smart Genius. way to do a future bet, okay? Uh, Letterman's got to have dibs on the first alien interview. He in, he interviewed Kanye. He's got experience. <laughs> Very good. 
Uh, Ross from Mimico says UFOs are real and they are spectacular. Wonder, we don't use the word spectacular enough. No, spectacular is a great, uh, a great word. But uh, has anyone like if you has anyone listening? Think, oh, did I need, you think I need their had, UFO story. Yeah, send that in. I don't care if, if it's you're listening four pages and long. Yeah, and you've had and what you think is an interaction with like Aaron Rodgers, a UFO or a UAP. No, don't even. Uh, sorry, yeah, I want a UFO. Then uh, we'd like to hear it because I feel like someone out there who's listening 100%. has had to like think they saw something somewhere. One hundred percent. Chris and Tio says there are hundreds of billions of galaxies, each with billions of solar systems. Of course, there's life out there, but the closest sun is four light years away. So even at the speed of light, which we can likely never achieve and might get ripped apart doing so, would be four years away. Life is out there, but it's too far in the cosmic scale. In my honest opinion, go Jays. Well, this guy's smart. That's such a good. That's that such was a, like yeah. really eloquent and take. understandable. Thank you. There's a there's a video on YouTube that I watch sometimes that like puts into perspective how small the Earth is. I'll send it. To, I'll send it to you. Are you high? No, no, no. Well, no, actually, but uh, I took <laughs> I took astronomy in, in university. I was actually oh interested, wow interested in it. It's fun. Um, Do you know your horoscope? You're probably one of those guys, eh? Well, I'm a, I'm a Leo. Okay. Do you know like about Can it? You tell. I don't know anything about Leos. Um, so anyways, this video is like, it, it shows you the earth and then it just, it just gone scale shows you no, everything else goes earth, sun, kind of Milky Way galaxy, eh? etc. And the video is like an hour long. Yeah. Like that's how insanely massive the universe is. So, um, yeah, this is a fun conversation to have on sports talk radio, but nonetheless, I think people like they get fired up when you hear this stuff. What are you giggling about? Ross with the Seinfeld reference. My wife was abducted by aliens while she was younger. She also blew up a coconut with her mind. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Very that good. is good. Um, okay, before we take a break and take more of your uh, beautiful stories and thoughts, um, we've been giving away tickets all week for Andrew Schultz, uh, internationally touring stand-up comic and podcaster. be performing at OLG Stage at Falls U Casino in Niagara Falls on September 22nd as a part of his The Life tour to celebrate we've been giving away tickets all week so each pair of tickets include a complimentary buffet for two before the show so to enter tune into our episodes of the fan morning show this week listen for our daily code word and text it into 59590 today's code word is niagara falls text niagara falls to 59590 right now to enter we will have one more code word to share during tomorrow's show. So be sure to tune in. You must be at least 19 years of age or older to enter. Details are at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Once again, the code word is Niagara Falls 590-590 for Andrew Schultz. Okay, let's take a break. We're getting back into Canada basketball with Will Lou, host of the Raptors show. Get ready for a 4.45 a.m. tip-off tomorrow. We'll and be ready. even earlier if you want to watch the panel, which will start at 4.30. They are grinders. They are hard workers. We will be here a little later than that, but we'll be watching Canada basketball. Speak for yourself. As they try to take on for a gold medal, but nonetheless, they will have their best ever appearance at the FIBA World Cup. Will Lou after the show after the break, and Chris Berman ends our show. Yeah. 